Thank you, Ben. A pastor had been given a kitten, and uh, in the midst of his busy life, I mean, no pastors are busy people, in the midst of his busy life, the kitten got out of the house and climbed up a tree, and he tried everything to get that cat down, and so finally he thought, well, what I can do is, um, don't have a ladder, I'll tie a fish a rope around a branch and tie it to the car. And I'll just move it ahead a little bit, bring the branch down. I'll be able to get the kitten off the tree. Uh, but the problem is, is that um, he put a little bit too much faith in that, in that rope, and the rope snapped, and the cat went flying through the air. <laughs> Janet, don't panic. This has a good ending. And, uh, and uh, the cat went flying. Did, he didn't know where the thing went. And so immediately he set out on a mission to try to find that cat, Trying to, to 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 seek and to save that cat, and um, he, he searched everywhere. Finally, went home, uh, really quite disgusted with himself, feeling really quite badly about the whole thing. And he prayed and asked God to forgive him for not being wiser. And suddenly, got a phone call from a lady and said, "Pastor, you'll never believe um, what I've done. I got myself a pet." And the pastor said, "I can't believe that. I thought you didn't like pets." And she says, uh, well, I, I'm not crazy about them. And the pastor says, what kind of a pet did you get? I got myself a cat. And the, and the woman, uh, the pastor's quite shocked at that. He said, I thought you didn't like cats. He, he, she said, I don't. I, I don't like cats. You see, my daughter's been bugging me for, um, bugging me for, for months, months to get a cat. And, and I said to her, you pray, and if God sends you a cat, you can have it. <laughs> And so she, that little girl right at that very moment went, went and knelt down on her front lawn, began to pray, uh, God send me a cat, and a cat fell right out of heaven, pastor. <laughs> and uh, so the pastor, of course, let her know what the scoop was, and that little girl got to keep her kitten. Another good story, to seek and to save the kitten. We want to talk today about a passion for the lost. We um, are the fourth in our series on this Igniting Our Passion as we want to talk about a passion for the lost. Before we begin, I need to remind everybody uh, what were Jesus' last words before he left this earth and went into heaven. He gathered his disciples around him, and he said to his disciples, go into all the world and find the lost and make disciples of them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and so he left that what we call that great commission, and he, he left, left this earth. Left the earth with a work for us to do. Jesus sets uh, for us an example. How many know that Jesus just doesn't say, go do this or go do that without giving us an example? He, he's, for three years, he was with his disciples, and he showed them how to do the job. And so I want to show, I want to just tell you the story about Zacchaeus. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. He was uh, a wee little man. That's, that's the way I learned in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And so uh, Jesus was traveling through Jericho, and he went to a town. And in that town was a man by the name of Zacchaeus who happened to be the chief tax collector. And as a chief tax collector, his job was to collect taxes from his countrymen for the Romans who were occupying Israel at that time. Uh, he was a hated man. 
very wealthy man, and the way that he gained his wealth was by overtaxing. So what he would do is he'd get his share for, for, uh, for Rome and get his share for Herod, and then he'd take a share for himself. And so it was a, I mean, we think we've got it bad. Uh, it was terrible in those days, and those taxmen were hated something terrible. So Jesus, Jesus is going through town, and Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is going through town. He says, man, I want to see this Jesus. I've heard all kinds of neat things about him. Uh, he, I've heard that, he, that he's healed people and raised people from the dead, and, and he's uh, fed the multitudes. And so he says, well, how am I going to see everybody? There's great crowds here, and I am a wee little man. And so uh, he decided he would climb a sycamore tree, climbs up a sycamore tree, sees Jesus. Jesus is walking along, and, and out of the corner of his eye, sees Zacchaeus up the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come on down from here. I'm coming to your house for tea. <laughs> now, that's the way I learned in Sunday school. I don't know if he had tea, but anyways, he went to Zacchaeus's house and had something to eat, had some refreshments. And everybody's looking on at this, and they're shocked. They're angry. How on earth could Jesus go to the home of such a wicked man? How could Jesus go to the home of such a wicked man? Well, Jesus goes to that home and, and, uh, while he's there, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give my, give half of my possessions to the poor and I've, if I've cheated out anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times that amount. And then Jesus says this. He says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And listen to the verse here. Verse 10 of Luke chapter 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Why did Jesus leave the splendor, the glory of heaven? He came for one reason, to seek and to save the lost. I want us to look at this this morning. I want us to, to, to learn three important things this morning. First of all, this may come as a surprise to you, but lost people are actually interested in Jesus. Look at this verse one more time. Look at these verses. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus was actually interested. A, a terrible sinner, but yet he was still very, very interested in, in, in Jesus. So interested in him. In fact, he goes through the trouble of climbing a sycamore tree. Has anybody ever seen a sycamore tree? You don't have them in this part of the country. Um, I don't know if we have any in Canada at all, but it's quite common in the, in the Middle East. Very slippery uh, skin tree that grows very tall, very high. So I'm not exactly sure how we got up that sycamore tree, but I'll tell you this. It wasn't easy. But somehow he got up that tree because it was important to him, important enough to him to see Jesus. Very interested. And once he's up there, he hears the words of Christ saying, come on down from there. Zacchaeus, and you just see Zacchaeus, man, I just got up here. You're getting, you're calling me down. Yeah, come on down here, Jesus. Uh, Jesus says to him, and what's Zacchaeus's response? Well, he came down one, at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, isn't that interesting? This wicked person, this sinner is actually interested in Jesus. Now, some of us here today are under the impression that people who don't go to church, people who are not Christians, are not interested in Jesus. It is absolutely not true. I want you to listen to this. This is some studies done by Dr. Thomas Rayner and his team of 17 men and women who interviewed people in 50 of the American states and Canada. And this is what he discovered. Are you ready for this? Listen, 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. 
Did you hear that? 96% of the unchurched, if they're invited, will actually come to church. More than 9 out of 10 of the unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. Now, Rainer estimates that in Canada, there are some 60 million people who are in church. And what is an unchurched person? It's somebody who attends church maybe twice a year or somebody who doesn't attend it at all. And Rainer says this, if our research is close to accurate, the implications are staggering. Over 15.3 million people would start attending church if they were just invited. Now let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart for a moment. Because we've been laboring under the opinion that the people just aren't interested in our Jesus. You know who's, you know why we believe that, by the way? I'll tell you why. Because the media, the media, and this may sound, um, this may sound, uh, um, like I'm, like, like I'm sort of holding to a conspiracy theory, but really, it, it's, it's a no, well-known fact that our media is controlled by, by, generally by people who just are very atheistic and very anti-Christ. How many know that? I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And so the impression that we get through the media, newspaper, TV, uh, television programming, movies, is that people are really an- quite anti-God and anti-Christ. But if you go and do the studies, you'll discover that quite the opposite is true. That the average average man on the street, or as, Joe, uh, as John McCain would say, Joe Plummer, <laughs> Joe, as Joe Plummer w- would have it, they're really quite interested. They would like to know more. And so... Here it is, 96% of unchurched people are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. Now, what constitutes an invitation? Very simply this. Uh, would you like to come to my church? Can anybody, can anybody do that? How many know that you don't have to go to university or Bible college to say, would you like to come to church with me? It's really quite simple. And if you're, if you didn't quite catch that, come to me later and I'll give you lessons on how to say, would you like to come to church with me? That's what Rainer's saying. He said, that's all you got to do. Invite people to come. Another case, the process is very basic. We just simply invite people to come. Now, the next obvious question is this. Are Christians inviting non-Christians to church? And here's the heartbreaking answer to that question. And I know some of you put your heads down now because you don't want me looking at you. But listen, listen, here it is. The heartbreaking answer is Christians are not inviting non-Christian people or unchurched people to church. Now listen, I'm not saying go around and judge people. You're, you're, you're not a Christian. You're not, no, we're talking about unchurched people. People don't go to church. The heartbreaking answer is no. Only 21% of active churchgoers invites anyone to church in the course of a year. Only 21% will invite someone to church. And that probably maybe just once in the whole course of the year. That's, folks, why church is not growing in the West. And listen to this, only 2% of the church members invited, only 2% of church members invited an unchurched person to church. So, so listen to this, 21% of all people go to church and invited somebody, and only 2% of those who actually call themselves a member of a church. Now, the members are supposed to be those who say, you know, I'm committed, I, I, I've thrown in my lot with this church, and I believe in this church, I'm a partner to see this church grow and advance the kingdom. Only 2% of those who call themselves church members have actually invited anyone to church. It's shocking statistics. This, folks, in a world where 96% of the people would go to church if someone would just invite them. It's all it takes is for someone just to say, yeah, I'll take you. Now, can you imagine if 
if uh, of those 16 million people who are unchurched, can you imagine if just half of them ended up coming to church? How many people would come to Christ because of that? If some of us would just get serious about inviting people to church. And so here's a question for you this morning, my brothers and my sisters. When's the last time you invited someone to church? We try to give as many opportunities as possible for you to invite people to church. Invite people to come to one of our uh, core events. Uh, very very um, recently, our youth had 162 people come to, a, to a, a special event. And that is why our friend Dennis Prawn is bald today. <laughs> Dennis, just stand up where you are. Let everybody see that shiny bald head. And uh, Shauna just loves it. Look, she can't help touching her. Uh, keep your hands off him for now, Shauna, please. Uh, why bother going through that? It's because there's a, a passion to see people come to Christ. Very soon we're going to be having a Grey Cup party here. Why are we having a Grey Cup party here? Because we love sports so much? Well, we love sports uh, maybe a little bit. But here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the root reason is it's an opportunity to invite people to come to church, people to, to get to know and to fellowship and connect with other believers. Sharon Banks told me before the service that she's got six people coming from her swimming class to the Christmas production on December the 5th. Now, wouldn't it be thrilling if everybody could invite someone to come and be part of that special production? That's all it takes is someone to say, would you come? And you'd be surprised at how many people say, sure, I've got them to do. Yeah, I'll come. Folks, I want, to, I want to encourage you to do this. Invite someone. And you don't have to wait for a special event either, by the way. Invite them to come to church and say, look, come. I'll have lunch with you. I'll buy you lunch. And if those of you are too cheap to buy your friend lunch, I'll pay for it. If it comes to me, I'll pay for your lunch. But invite them to church. Let them come and experience fellowship and the connection with believers in your church. The second thing I want to point out to you this morning is that lost people are ready are more ready to accept Christ than you realize. Look what it says here in Luke 19, 8 to 9. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, What? He said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this too, man too is a son of Abraham. Now, can I just tell you something this morning? This man was interested in Jesus. He had no intention of... of of connecting up with Jesus so he could become a Christian or to become a Christ follower. That was, listen to me, that was not his purpose. It was, it was not, not one of his goals. It was not on his agenda this year. I must become a Christian. It wasn't. What happened, my friend, is that the Holy Spirit began to move in his heart so that he said, you know, I just, I gotta find out more about this Jesus. He sounds like a very intriguing personality. And when he comes face to face with Jesus, something supernatural happens. And this is why it's so important, my friends, that you invite your friends to become exposed to Jesus. Because when they, when they come into the presence of God, and remember, listen to me, remember, the, the Bible says that where two or more are gathered together in His name, who shows up? Jesus. You invite your friends, people that don't know Jesus, to come to church, and they will be exposed to Jesus. And here's Zacchaeus with, without any prompting. Jesus didn't even give an altar call. Jesus didn't pull out the four spiritual laws. He didn't pull out his New Testament. And this man is so under conviction that he can't help but respond to Christ 
And he accepts Jesus into his life. My friends, listen to this. There's, a, there's an Arab proverb that says this. What is the greatest crime in the desert? It's finding water and keeping silent about it. You have experienced Jesus. Jesus has come into your life. You've been transformed. How many have been transformed by Christ? You've been transformed by Christ. Now, it's a crime to keep that a secret. There's people out there that are thirsting, hunger, hungry for Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing. Well, everybody hated Zacchaeus. Jesus loved him. And because Jesus loves Zacchaeus, what does Zacchaeus He responds. How many people respond to love? Zacchaeus, for the first time in his adult life, is not being hated. He's being loved, and he can't help but respond to Jesus. Now, that's, a, that's amazing. Think of some of your neighbors. Some, think of some of your family members. They just need a little bit of love, and watch what will happen when you show them Jesus. i tell you something. Those difficult people in your life, the answer is not hating them. The answer is reaching out to them in love and leading them to Jesus. You know, we're, we're horrified by what's happening in, in other parts of the world. We're, we're, we're horrified by the Islamist terrorism that's been, ha- that been happening now, well, for, for decades, really, but especially in this, in this new century. And we love to hate the Islamist terrorists. Do you know that Islam today has got 1.226 billion followers? And at, at 19% growth, it's, it's, it's growing. 90% of the world's, uh, of the world religion, Islam, is continuing to grow. I'm going to say this to you today. How many know that the answer to Islamic terrorism in the world today is not sending in U.S. troops? How many know that? How many know that the answer to Islamic terrorism in the world is to send out missionaries? To send out people who will introduce people to Jesus Christ? That's the answer. We've got to get it out of our heads, my friends, that the answer to the world's problems is somehow held within the power of man. What we need is a demonstration of the power of God because that is what transforms the world. And I'm going to tell you, you don't hear this in the media. But today, all over the world, and you heard me tell you a little bit last week about Brian Rutten and how in Ethiopia, whole villages are coming to Christ because of the witness and the testimony of Christians. You don't hear that. But the world is hungry for Christ, and people are accepting Jesus. Do you know that the Jesus... How many have heard of the Jesus film? It came out in the 80s. Do you know that that Jesus film has been shown to 2 billion people around the world? And over 100 million people have prayed and received Christ after having viewed that film. People are accepting Jesus. People are hungry for Christ. The church right now is growing explosively, not in North America, but around the world. Listen to this. In 1900, 81% of believers were Caucasian. That's white, like Dennis. (laughs) Dennis's head. In 1981, 51% of believers were Caucasian. In 2000, 40% of believers were Caucasian. In 2008, it's somewhere around 30%. I'm telling you, folks, Christianity is touching the whole world today. In Brazil, listen to this, in Brazil alone, the church is growing, are you ready for this? At between 17 and 20,000 believers every week. That's how the church is growing in Brazil today. People are accepting Christ. Between 17 and 20,000 people every week in Brazil. In China, listen to this, the church is growing 
20 to 30,000 new believers every day. 20 to 30,000 believers every day. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. The reason the church is not growing in North America and is growing in Brazil and China is because in Brazil and China, they believe that Jesus' mission was to come and to seek and to save the lost. But we don't believe in that anymore. Not in North America, we don't. And if we do, it's sort of a secondary or a third part of, the, of our message. You go to Brazil and China, it's the number one message, to seek and to save the lost. Dr. Rayner says this, I wish my readers had the same opportunity that I had to listen to those unchurched persons. If you could have heard how many of the unchurched are waiting, are waiting, just waiting on someone to explain the way of salvation, you might have a whole new outlook on reaching these people. Isn't that interesting? If you knew, if you only knew. Here's the thing. Very few of the unchurched had someone share with them on how to become a Christian. And Christians have not been particularly influential in their lives. What do we do as Christians? We, we automatically try to, we try to ghettoize ourselves. We try to form our own Christian ghetto and, and, and sort of insulate ourselves from the world. But Jesus said what? Go ye into all the world. No wonder we're not winning people to Christ the way the early church did and the way Brazil is and the way China is. Now listen, if Christians do not invite non-Christians to church, we cannot be surprised if they do not share the gospel or influence the unchurched, the unchurched in any way. If people aren't inviting them, you can be sure they're not influencing them. Now here's the thing. You might be surprised that when some Christians may think the time is just not right to, to invite the unchurched to church, guess what the unchurched are wondering? They're wondering, why are we delaying? This is his findings. This is, this is scientific study. Well, we're thinking it's not the right time to invite them to church. The unchurched are thinking, why isn't anybody asking? Why are they so afraid to ask? You know what he discovered? He discovered that there, he met many people who were unchurched. And remember, people that don't go to church. He discovered many people who were unchurched, actually new Christian people, and could not understand why those Christian people were not inviting them to church. Interesting, isn't it? Folks, what happened to your passion for the lost? Do you know that Christianity today is 2.039 billion people? It's 32% of the world religion, but it's dropping in number. It's not growing. And a large part of that is because in North America, we have forgotten, we have forgotten that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The third thing I want to point out to you this morning is that lost people are Jesus' mission. This is why Jesus came. Look at, could you read this verse with me? All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This, my friends, is why Jesus came to this earth. It wasn't so that you could have, have a, uh, have great wealth and great riches. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came so you could have an abundant life. And that abundant life is, in fact, eternal life. Folks, whenever you, this is this, whenever you invite someone to church, whenever you enter into a, a relationship with somebody where you invite them, to come to know your Christ, and you automatically enter into the supernatural realm. 
You are no longer functioning in the realm of the natural. You're entering into the realm of the supernatural. Because remember, Jesus is, is doing what he's, he's come to seek and to save the lost. So the minute that you begin to invite someone to church, the minute you begin to share your faith with somebody, guess what happens? God shows up. God shows up with the host of heaven. You can't see the host of heaven, but the host of heaven is there. The angels show up when you begin to witness. The Holy Spirit is present when you begin to invite people to church. And suddenly that person that you're speaking to not only has you influencing them, but they have the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart. And they're going to become, they're going to begin to squirm. Why are they squirming? Do they normally squirm in your presence? No, I'll tell you why they're squirming and why they're a little bit uncomfortable and why they're shifting in their seat. Because the, the power of God is at work moving in them so that they can't help but respond in some way. God cares for that lost person so much that he sent Jesus to seek and to save what was lost. I want you to know this. With 6 billion people in the world, over 3.8 billion people are lost and without Christ. Do you know there's still 2,000 unreached people groups in the world? What's a people group? It's a group of people... uh, uh, with, a, with maybe a unique language, uh, unique ethnic group, unique cultural group. 2,000 unreached people groups in the world that need to hear the gospel. 1.7 billion people have no known visible witness for Christ. They're never going to hear about Christ unless someone actually goes to that culture to tell them about it. And do you know that by 2002, the majority of of missionaries were no longer coming from North America, even though North America has the greatest wealth. The majority of, of missionaries are coming from other parts of the world. My friends, if it's Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost, what should our mission be? To seek and to save the lost. This must be number one in our hearts. I want to ask you this question in, in conclusion. Will anyone be in heaven because of you? Will anyone be in heaven because of you? When you get to heaven, the first question that God's going to ask when you stand before him is this. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And you know the answer to that. I accepted Jesus into my heart. I I received him as my Lord and Savior. I trusted him for salvation. Then God's going to ask you a second question. He's going to say this. What did you do with what I gave you? With your wealth, your gifts, your talents, and I hope that you're going to say more than this. I had great, I had a great time. I retired and I spent my money the way I wanted to. That's, that, that's, that's the wrong answer. Hopefully you'll be able to answer God and say, I use my gifts to serve Christ and the church. And then there's a third question that God's going to ask when you stand before Him. And some of us are going to stand before Him very soon. God's going to ask you when you get to heaven, did you bring anybody with you? Did you care enough about anybody to bring them with you? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says this to the Thessalonians, for what, it, for what is it that we live for? What gives us hope and joy? What is our proud reward and our crown? He says it's you. Yes, you will bring us much joy as we stand together before our Lord Jesus Christ when the when he comes back again, for you are our trophy and joy. When you stand before Christ, are you going to have a crown? 
When you stand before, before Jesus, will you have joy and a trophy? Will you have brought someone with you? My friend, some of you are sitting here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't know how to do this, and I know I need to do it. Would you tell me how? Well, I'm glad you asked, because next Saturday is class 401. It's a class that will teach you how to win the lost. And if you've already taken that class, maybe you've forgotten all about it. I, I, I would invite you to sign up again. You could sign up in the atrium. But sign up and, and get serious about winning the lost for Christ. 401 is my favorite class out of all four of them. And I strongly, strongly urge you to attend. And if you've attended again, sign up again and get reacquainted. And get your passion back. I would, I would encourage you not only to sign up for 401, but I would encourage you to invite someone to the Great Cup Party. And if you can, invite someone to the Christmas production. And if you can't do either of those, then invite them to church. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your spirit who enables us to do this work. We pray, O oh God, that you would be glorified in our lives. We pray, O oh God, that your name would be exalted as we share this good news with others. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today that when it comes to this business of saving the lost, we have all the resources of heaven available to us because it's the thing that's nearest and dearest to your heart. And so, God, pour out your provision right now that we may do your work in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing.